Kevin. Hey, Louie. I was hoping it was you. <laughs> I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you. Um, I, I First of all, I did want it to be you because I, I was texting you earlier and I was like, I'm so happy and glad that we are having a class eek episode today. Just dum, you dum, and me, dum, gal. Dum. Yeah, just you and me, gal. <laughs> this is our rom-com, okay? This is. This is our meet cute. The will they won't they is been going for six years now, you know. Yeah, it's it's beginning to look like won't they? No. Yeah. <laughs> Ask Dan, see if he's like chill, you know. See, yeah, I, exactly. I know you guys have that extra bedroom. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I just, mean, if you ever need a place to stay, just saying. You should, you should just adopt me at this point. <laughs> this, this is my partner, and this is our baby. Yeah. Don't ask. <laughs> and it's just me in a diaper. <laughs> but it's your kink, not mine. <laughs> right, exactly. And also, how is that different than normal? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a subject, we take a month, we learn as much information as we can, watch as many movies as possible, and we give that information all back to you. We are so excited. We have been doing this for 10,000 years. 10,000 years when all... <laughs> wait, that's not how the song goes. <laughs> that's, not, that's really not... <laughs> oh my god, though, we are going to be talking about City of Angels in this episode, and I'm, I have oh to ask god. if you... I know, don't worry, we won't say any positive things about it. Um, <laughs> I do have to ask... <laughs> Did you see Kelly Clarkson and Alanis singing Uninvited? Oh, oh my God. So good. And so I know, good. And I know this episode just went up like 10 gay points just by referencing that. But like, <laughs> if you haven't seen it, delight yourself. First of all, Please. Alanis's voice, never better. Kelly Clarkson, an angel. Never better. Talk uh, about City of Angels, okay? Yes, Wherever absolutely. Kelly Clarkson and Alanis Morrison are, that's the City of Angels, okay? <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, you know, just... To get this out up top, by the way, The Mixed Reviews is now part of the Glitterjaw Queer Podcast Collective. It is a podcast network which has a ton of great shows, and you can check out all of their other shows on, the, if you just go to glitterjaw.com, you know, Distant Echoes, which is a Star Wars podcast, Gimmicks, which is a television podcast, Screonk, which is a Godzilla podcast, Are You, Are you My Mother, which is a, a podcast um, focused on- mothers. Mothers. <laughs> on I am your are. mother. <laughs> How dare you talk to me that way? I am your mother. Um, yeah, and we're so very proud to be part of that podcast collective. And it's a very new thing for us. And I forgot to mention it last episode, but I need to mention it at the top of every episode yes. from now on. Yes, um, because we are so excited to be with that happy gang of queerdos. Because guess what? So are we, bitch. Yeah, I was going to um, say, finally we found a place where we fit. <laughs> finally. Um, <laughs> before we get into this week's um, subject and topic, um we have a little bit of old business. Ooh. Uh, ooh. Don't call me old. <laughs> we have a, a lot of old business, and he is across <laughs> this camera from me right now. Um, no. Uh, our last episode was our annual tradition of a spooky uh, episode, and uh, we did all slashers um, with our guest from all the way down under, Miss Maria Lewis. Um, oh. Horror, what an angel. Horror icon, <laughs> um, writer extraordinaire. What was the cultural etymologist? Is that yes, right? Yes, very good. I was I was like waiting with bated breath. Honey, Ooh. I got it. I need to stop admitting to baiting on the podcast. <laughs> Ooh, no. Gavin, I thought we we had a cease and desist already. Yeah. <laughs> the Sorry, lawyers. We're, we're working blue tonight. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're real blue. Um, we asked you guys to go online and vote for your favorite um, slasher film, and here are the results. Uh, Maria's pick, There's Someone Inside Your House, came out last place at 2%. Um, 
Nightmare on Elm Street came in at third. That was my pick at 21%. Scream, second place with 37%. And then Gavin's pick, Halloween, 40%. Baby. Just, just edging it out there. But I will say, it just goes to show you the audience that we have. Very gay-centered audience that were like, Scream, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I couldn't fit the entire title of Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which was really my pick. Yeah. Um, because it's gay. Um, but yeah, what a, what a fun, spooky little, uh, you know, season we had. Um, I was very reticent. Um. (laughs) Oh, good vocab word. Thank you. Uh, but I think what I found is like, you got to find your right flavor of slasher, you know, because a lot of the, I (laughs) would... Don't cancel me. Um, I, I, a lot of the the newer ones just really want to show you like the disgustingness of it all. And like, which is really not my vibe. Um, but like all those kooky bookie 70s, 80s ones were really fun. So, yeah. Um, and and like there's a place for the but I understand I understand. And and I think that truly is a just like any subject that we cover, you know, there's a vampire movie for everybody, there's a zombie yeah. movie for everybody, there's a ghost movie for everybody, and I think there's a slasher for everybody. And there are a lot of bad ones out there. So yeah. like yeah. <laughs> but um, and so yeah. Um, also, Gavin, did you want to show we have a, 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 a last minute spooky season of announcements? Yes. Um, I'm going to cover up this last name in case you're watching on Patreon, but we got this lovely Halloween card from our listener, Michelle, and these are her beautiful children. All dressed and, up. Uh, was one Travis Kelsey? <laughs> yes. Uh, see, I I was like, I don't know what that is. I was I was like, there's a there's a peacock. There's Travis Kelsey. Uh, there's Ninja Turtle, a, a, a Minecraft character. I said Ooh. I said that like the oldest person in the world. I know. Do your is kids it... like the Minecraft? The Minecraft. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. the, a Spider Man, um, a, a character from Encanto, and uh, Dredrick. What the Dredrick? Yeah, I don't know what a Dredrick is. I don't know what a Dredrick. <laughs> but uh but thank you so much michelle your family's adorable we love getting this every year and so kind of you um also i did want to give a shout out to our latest all-star tier supporter on patreon and that's uh, my good friend sarah thank you so much sarah i know she got a big kick out of the slasher episodes and we really appreciate you joining the patreon yeah thanks sarah you guys can join us over on patreon where we see videos and little bonus things we appreciate you we absolutely uh, do. Um, but okay, spooky season is over. We're feeling ring ting tingling ting. The <laughs> turkeys are goblin. Um, it is certainly getting frigid air up here in New York. Um, horses, 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 horses. Yes, horses. yes. <laughs> um, and so, Gavin, why don't you tell the folks who we're talking about today? We're talking about the one, the only, the absolutely charming. What is the word they keep using all throughout? Uh, you've got mail. Enchanting. Enchanting. The Enchanting. Meg Ryan. Yes. One of the original, you know, rom-com divas of the 90s. Um, she, I mean, her and Julia and Sandra, <laughs> the chokehold they had on America. Oh, my God. And if the man wasn't, you know, falling into a coma... Having a dead wife and calling it a radio show. Yeah. Uh, chasing after a runaway bride. Yeah. You know, where would we be? Where, where would, would we be? be? That, that, <laughs> I mean, I, I think you could probably argue this, but that era really was just like the golden age of rom-coms. And yeah. 
Um, certainly, we don't have too many of them anymore. Right. Um, and, and there's, listen, there's comedic romances. Oh, there yeah. always been, you look at the 50s, you look at the 60s, but like, I truly, like, the formula was really perfected in the 90s. You got your, yeah. your Nora Ephrons and just oh. the, you know, sort of the mastermind of it all. May she rest. May she rest. Icon. The work the fa- she did. The, the work father, she did. The, the father, the son, the Nora Ephrons. Yes. Um, it is so funny, by the way. I just think it's like looking at, you know, going from slashers to Meg Ryan is the ultimate. Like Gavin picked an episode, Louis picked an episode. Um, <laughs> she has a film out. She does, and and uh, uh, that's not me shitting on this. I had a great time. I'll be perfectly honest. There's some bad movies in here, and we will talk about it. But she is so delightful. She is yeah. so natural. There is absolutely. Uh, I don't remember which actor said it but the you know the they they said that she's just naturally charming and it's yeah. something you can't replicate yeah. it's not something you can fake and she, that's just that's Meg Ryan yeah and she like has said she never wanted to be an actor she's one of those girlies who just kind of like it happened to yeah. her kind of and she's even said recently like when she was at the peak of her powers she didn't take advantage of it she didn't try to muscle like, oh, I've made you $250 million for this movie, so I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want next. She never was that person because she never was like actually, you know, playing the game. Right. Um, for, for, good, for better or for worse, you know, like she, she, just, she just wasn't as, you know, like we've covered a lot of people who are like hungry for this, like hungry to be an actor. They, that's all they wanted to do. Um, that wasn't Meg. And, you know, she kind of fell into it. And I think that speaks a lot to like the naturalness that you you mentioned. Um, She just has that kind of like innocence. Um, And we'll see as you know, in her career when she kind of betrays that innocence on screen, the girlies were not here for it. Um, Which, you know, is a shame because um, yeah, it's, she's great. (laughs) Yeah. True. Um, It's, it's just interesting too, because like the arc of her career kind of perfectly matches. I've talked about this. I don't know if I've actually ended up having been able to talk about this on the show before, uh, but culturally, especially in the United States, as much as we like to pretend like the nineties was this like easy breezy, like sexual liberated, the end of the nineties, the early two thousands. I mean, obviously when George W. Bush was president, like there was this kind of, push towards conservatism in the media yeah and she had this like incredibly impeccable crafted media personality she was america's sweetheart yep and and for what happened to happen and the the press to turn against her which is an incredibly powerful thing and you may not think it is but like when you have the news telling you what to think about a person, when you have newspapers telling you, tabloids and and talk shows, and everybody wanted to get their opinion out there, everybody wanted to have their say on Miss Meg Ryan, yeah. like a sweetheart. It's kind of devastating, actually, what happened to her, and and that's why it's really funny to to see her. She's having this sort of comeback moment now because she just directed her second film, which we will probably talk about in, in the fast forward. And everybody keeps being like, what kept you away so long? And it's like, yeah. you did. Yeah. You- <laughs> you- <laughs> and and she she is Meg Ryan, who made hundreds of millions of dollars for Hollywood. And she's like, I can't I can't get anything going, you know? Right. That it, it's it, Hollywood has changed. Um, and so has she. 
So uh, yeah, there's a lot to dive in here. Um, and I'm excited um, because I'm going to be frank, I hadn't seen a lot of these movies. Even like, girly, I saw When Harry Met Sally last Thursday for the first time. <gasps> Shocking. Did I cry? Wow. Absolutely. Oh, of course Absolutely. you did. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so there was a lot of blind spots like that. And I am I, so glad that we got to, you know, this. that's part of the reason why we started this podcast to like, you know, cover some of those bases that maybe we hadn't gotten to. And, and hopefully, you know, our listeners can do the same um, through this. Um, so, yeah, Meg Ryan, I'm excited. Let's go. Uh, let's jump into our rewind. I like that. Meg Ryan, let's go. <laughs> she just makes me feel like... First of all, like I have a bob, um, a little a little wavy blonde bob, the Meg. Uh, honestly, we are going to have to talk about her hair in these movies because I yeah. feel like when they like want her to be edgy, they like straighten the bob. Oh my God. Just razor cut. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. She's like frazzled Meg. Yeah. Um, but then when she's like fun and carefree, it's like her little waves and she's like so silly Billy. <laughs> oh, Meg. Or should I call you Margaret? Yes, that's right. Uh, Meg Ryan was born Margaret Mary Emily Ann Hyra. Hail Hyra. Uh, Hail Hyra. <laughs> uh, in November 19th, 1961. So she is 61 years old. So young. Like, young. I didn't, yeah, I don't she's think still I, very young. I didn't think I realized how young she is. Um, yeah. 61 years old. Girlie's got a lot of life left in her. She was born in Fairfield, Connecticut. Um, her mother, Susan, was a homemaker. Um, and eventually became a theater teacher, I believe. And um, her father, who uh, Harry, who was a math teacher, um, she has two sisters, um, and her parents divorced kind of like early in her teenage life. Um, you know, she wanted to be a journalist. You yeah. know, when she was growing up, she, you know, I think she lived probably a pretty charmed, you know, classic Northeast life um and you know she got into nyu was gonna study journalism um and as it happens to be when you're a young diva living in new york city um she she caught the acting bug you know i was a journalism major at new york university and i was paying my way through school and how i did it was i did commercials and um Every now and then I would get an assignment from my, uh, my journalism teacher and my, my I, for instance, I went to the As the World Turns the Soap Opera audition so that I could write about auditioning for a soap opera. <laughs> and um, I got the part, which I really only wanted to write a paper about it, but I got the part. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah. Oh, don't make me sing, guys. Don't, I'm, I'm just here to check things out. They just wanted me. It's crazy. But the, um, the, the reason why I'm a little suspicious of this account of this is that in 81, she's in George Cukor's final film, Rich and Famous. Yeah. And I think she's on As the World Turns after, which is, I guess, not to say that she couldn't have done this movie role, but like, a movie role is big. And I watched Rich and Famous and it was like, this is not a small, like she has like three large scenes. Yeah. So she does, you know, like you said, 1981, um, she does George Cukor's Rich and Famous. Um, the, she gets steady work doing yeah. As the World Turns. I get the feeling that you have a hard time opening up. I guess um, we don't know each other well enough for me to be spilling out everything. Well, I, I would like to change that. Um, 
Betsy, are, are you seeing anybody at the university? No, nobody special. Well, are you in Andropolis? Or? Craig, I told you, we're just friends, all right? He was, he was Nick's brother. She played Betsy Stewart in As the World Turns, um, I think 30-ish episodes. Um, she was also doing commercial work. Um, there's a Burger King commercial. There's a toothpaste commercial. Uh, you know, she she's like kind of weirdly out of nowhere, just like collecting, um, you know, credits. And there are bit parts of movies that are just like kind of stacking up. Um I don't know if any of these mean anything to you, Gavin. I um, watched, I've now seen every Meg Ryan movie. I, so I, I, they all mean things to me. <laughs> I watched about half of Promised Land. Um, yeah. And I didn't uh, uh, her, her great scenes are at the end, so sorry. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know why I turned it off. It wasn't because I hated it. But I was just like, I have to go. <laughs> um <laughs> But it really isn't until, you know, she she reads for a little movie called Top Gun um, that she gets, you know, she got an independent spirit nomination for Promised Land. And so right. also, to be clear, she has dropped out of school. She's does not finish NYU journalism. LOL. Bye. I'm famous <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, so she reads for the role of uh, what's her name? Carol Bradshaw in a little movie called Top Gun. Um, Tom Cruise has gone on to say that like when she went in to read, it was just like luminescent. She lit up the room. Um, and so she plays the wife of Goose. Um, yeah. Anthony Tom- Edwards. Yeah. Um, and it's not like a huge part by any means. Um, in Top Gun Maverick, there's a little picture that they show of her yeah um, i was gonna say somehow genetically her and anthony her edwards made miles teller but whatever i don't see it but <laughs> don't either but let's just say that they could have uh, they could have cast jack quaid i'm just saying they could, I, I, I think jack quaid is quite good i love jack quaid i mean he's a he's a star trek guy i mean of course i love jack quaid <laughs> fucking nerd yeah. um so yeah, Top, Top Gun is you know kind of like the first thing that is a money maker for her. Let's say that she's you know a commercial success. Um, she is in Inner Space in 1987, where she meets future husband Denise Dennis Quaid. Quaid. Denise, as it's, the French call him, Denise yes, Quaid. <laughs> Denise. Um, I, can we pause for just sure. a brief moment? I love inner like I I I love inner wow, space like Gavin. inner space is first of all all I've ever wanted to do in my life is make a movie and put Sam Cooke's Cupid in it and I know even if I do that it won't be as perfect as it's used in inner space wow I love it so much high praise uh, it's a very silly I don't know if you got a chance to see it did I not. think you I think you'll laugh your fucking ass off it's insane I didn't um, realize it was a Steven Spielberg presents oh yeah Steven Spielberg originally was gonna direct it um oh. he he lost interest in directing it they gave it to Joe Dante Joe Dante has said it's maybe the only movie he's ever made that like from conception to the screen is exactly what he wanted out of it this is the era before rom-coms and it's funny of this era I I watched um flesh and bone um yeah. She, <laughs> the way that she's in so many of Dennis Quaid films. Yeah, yeah. Well, because they kept wanting to work together because they also do DOA, which is a remake of a film noir. And it's very silly. America's Sweetheart has not been born yet. You know, she is just being cast 
um, as like pretty blonde girly um, next to like action guy. Um, And And it's tough too, because you're seeing her in situations that like, because of who she becomes, you don't want to see her in. So, you know, the breakthrough really is when Harry met Sally. Like, yes. 1989, um, it just fucking, you know, goes off like a firework to steal from <laughs> Katy Perry. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, this cultural touchstone um, that today still, you know, um, it's regarded as one of the best rom-coms of all time. Um, I just saw it for the first time last week. I think it holds up incredibly well. Yeah. Um, written by Nora Ephron, who is a genius, um, and and directed by Rob Reiner, who also, I mean, like, the movie is just beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the, the brilliant thing Nora Ephron did is she wrote Harry as Rob Reiner, which mm-hmm. I think made Rob Reiner's job incredibly easy in directing. In fact, she even said that she stole a line from Rob Reiner that Rob Reiner took out of the movie, hmm. which was uh, he, you know, while she was writing the script at one point, he called her and he they're having a conversation. And he said, you know how women put on like a layer of foundation when they get up in the morning? I have that, but it's depression. <laughs> and Rob, Rob Reiner took it out of the film. Uh, but like, yeah, and I, I think... Nora Ephron was just so smart in crafting these characters to really fit these. And like, you know, Meg Ryan wasn't the first choice for her character. Um, Billy Crystal certainly wasn't, you know, Tom Hanks passed on the movie. Uh, And initially he said it was because he didn't think the Harry character that there was that much there. Hmm. But um, truthfully, Rita Wilson years later said that the reason he didn't do it was because he was just getting out of his first divorce and he was Mm. so happy and he didn't understand why Harry wouldn't be happy to be divorced. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's such a funny Tom Hanks anecdote. Um, But yeah, it's just so funny and so sharp. And like, yes, obviously like, I think in the year 2023, we can acknowledge that men and women, straight men, um, straight women can have platonic relationships, no problem. Uh, but I th- I do think the way you know, things were at the time, that was a true, like, can men and women, can there ever be a true friendship between men and women? Well, I saw the movie with good friend of the pod and um, former guest Samantha Stallard. I was hoping you would say Sam. Yeah. Hi, Sam. And she was like, no, men and women ah! can't be friends. They can't be friends. Nope. You know and, what? Bill- Billy Crystal agrees with her. So. And I, I was, yeah, uh, the word sharp is exactly right. Because the, the reason why the movie stands up is just because Nora Ephron's writing is so fucking good. Yeah. Um, I, it, everything, you know, even though. It's kind of quaint just because it's like for the time, and but not in ways that it's like, oh, life just isn't that way anymore. You can't call someone up and be like, oh, this movie's on what channel? Right. That, that doesn't happen anymore. And so the, like in that sense, like there are things that are like silly billy. Like, of course, no one's dropping someone off in New York City at Washington Square Park and being like, bye, girly. Like right. that forever. Yeah. See you never. <laughs> that. But, uh, you know, the the. The men and women politics and like, you know, the, I think the heartbreak, certainly like I, yeah, yeah. it felt uh, good in a place like that, though, I gotta say. <sighs> really did. I, w- I will say Nora Ephron and Rob are so silly. I'm like, no one's going to the Met having a nice, quiet time. Okay. <laughs> like, it's, it's beautiful. The, the, the shots, I mean, everything is just so beautiful. Like, I, I all I was thinking was like, 
movies just don't look this beautiful anymore. They're not they shot don't. this well. They They're don't not lit that well. Oh my god! The you frame, are like <sighs> you're preaching, honey. honey say it. Heard, say it on the mountain, Louis. <laughs> ever heard of some mise en scène, honey? Yeah. Like the, there are so many beautiful frames. Just you know, from uh, Carrie. Um, what the fuck's her name? Fisher. Carrie Fisher. I didn't like, mean to yell that at you. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Fisher, me, god damn it. <laughs> like all the dinner scenes with Carrie Fisher and like this, them like being girlfriends are so fun. Um, so easy. But again, yeah. also just like really beautiful. Bruno um, Kirby, RIP. So hot. So hot. So I, hot. I want chunky sweaters. Chunky sweaters. All, all the time. Um, I, I also, just to give a shout out because... I, and I do think Nora Ephron deserves every bit of praise that we are giving her. On the flip side of that, Nora Ephron has also really credited it to both Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, and and specifically Meg Ryan, that she was able to like see these small things. There's a moment in When Harry Met Sally where Meg Ryan is upset because her old boyfriend is getting married and she's totally hysterical. And I put this one line into it. It is a nothing line. I need a Kleenex. It's right in the middle of it. And it's a line that I knew was funny, but it wasn't like blinking, hello, I'm a funny line or anything. And Meg just hit it out of the park. And that's the moment when you think, oh my God, because it's an actor that really, especially when you're talking about a comedy, Something could be funny on the page, but it is not going to be funny if the actor doesn't know how to convert it. Hi. You all right? Come on in. I'm sorry to call you so late. It's all right. I need a Kleenex. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you, I couldn't watch it. that movie for years i couldn't watch it for years my uh freshman year communications class com 101 our big project at the end of it was each student or or groups groups of students were assigned a scene and we had to write a report on the body language of characters which by the way is a complete fucking pseudoscience it's not a real (laughs) thing and i had the uh the wedding scene the argument they have at the wedding and I had to watch that scene so many times that I convinced myself I hated this movie and I couldn't watch it. So literally until last week when I rewatched it for the first, I had not seen it since college. And let wow. me tell you, I've been depriving myself. Yeah. Yeah. The the emotions are just like really earned. It doesn't feel like manipulative or trite. Like it really, like they, they have other love interests that feel very real. And, you know, like it, it, and this is, it's crazy. I was like, oh, what are these straights going to get up to? But no, it's, it's really affecting. It feels yeah. really, it feels really good to watch. Um, so yeah, that's 89. She gets a Golden Globe nomination. Uh, you know, she just, it, it, it like you said, the, the blueprint, the, it is the blueprint for, it is. for, you know, all uh, rom-coms to come. Um, she finally does work with, Tom Hanks, though, the next year in Joe versus the Volcano. Yes. Um, which is a deeply silly movie. It's very, very silly. The great thing about that movie is everything else is so silly, but it's also so deep because it's really a movie about philosophy. It's really yeah. a movie like it's about learning to live and love yourself and and love 
the things around you and like paying attention to the things around you. And um, she gets to play three roles in it, which yeah. is also so much fun. Is she the like secretary in his office? Yep. She's okay. the secretary. She's the, the like she's, Beverly Hills girl. She's the Beverly Hills girl, which is she's Nicole Kidman. And <laughs> <laughs> every time I watch it, I'm like, this is Nicole Kidman. And, yeah. uh, and, and she's the, the love interest in the end. Yeah. yeah. So what did you do before you signed on with daddy? I was an advertising librarian for a medical supply company. Oh, I have no response to that. Yeah, no spoilers, but the volcano doesn't win. Uh, <laughs> the volcano is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um, up next is The Doors. I didn't watch this. I'd seen it before, and I did rewatch it for this. It's We don't have to talk about it. It's a flop, okay. and it's, okay. a, it's a flop all around. It's... You know, a great Val Kilmer performance, but it's not a good movie. Okay, great. Um, Prelude to a Kiss. Now, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Okay, so Prelude to a Kiss is, I think, now tied with Beetlejuice for, like, most mentions on the show. Because we have talked about Prelude to a Kiss uh, in our Stanley Tucci episode. Kathy uh, Bates. In our Kathy Bates episode, in our Body Swap episode. And finally, we've hit somebody who is a main character in the movie. Wow. Um yeah, Prelude to a Kiss. I didn't. I, I I watched it for Tucci. I didn't rewatch it for Bates or Body Swap. I did rewatch it for this, and she, it's maybe not Meg Ryan's best performance. I will say she's doing something. It's okay. fine, but like, I like this movie a lot. Like, it's so meaningful. And then like to find out so. Prelude to a Kiss, for those of you who do not listen to the show regularly, um, is a movie about uh, an ultra-liberal woman and a kind of conservative man played by Alec Baldwin, Meg Ryan's a woman, and they fall in love, and she's like kooky spiritualism, and he's like kind of very practical. It's and Darman then, Greg. It's Darman Greg. Um, literally 40 fucking minutes into the movie, like a third or maybe even a half of the movie is gone um, at their wedding. An old man wanders in and kisses Meg Ryan and they switch bodies. And Alec Baldwin is left with Meg Ryan with an old man um, in her body who wants nothing more for him, but than for him to fuck her. Like, and that's the thing that I love about this movie is I keep thinking about like, no, he really wants Alec, hot young Alec Baldwin. So sorry that Alec Baldwin's a terrible person because he's very yeah, hot in this movie. Yeah, I hate that. Um, and Meg Ryan is left in the body of this old man who's dying. And to find out that the play that it's based on, which Alec Baldwin was in the original cast, she was not. Mary Louise Parker, I believe, was the original role, which I think she maybe would have been better. I'll be perfectly honest. Um, to find out that the play like itself was kind of an allegory for AIDS and that the director then died a couple years or, or, or slightly more than a couple years later of complications due to AIDS Hmm. and to think about it as like a parable about a man who has to learn to, because Alec Baldwin, you know, is freaked out by Meg Ryan. They, she goes to like live with her parents and he like starts cohabitating with this old man. And it's like this parable of like, can you love somebody who is dying, who you maybe are no longer sexually attracted to? Yeah. But, but, love have all these strong feelings for and i think the movie is maybe not given enough credit for that for the deeper analysis sure Um, but like on the on the surface level of talking about meg ryan she is maybe hamming it up a little bit as an old man in meg ryan's body 
I want to have your baby. I want your baby inside me. You don't want babies. Don't you remember? Sweetie. No. You never say that. Or puppy puppy or chop chop. You don't drink now, Rita. You used to drink like a fish. You're not using salt. Peter. You're a communist or socialist, whatever you are. You don't defend the social order in Jamaica or anywhere. You need to take a hot bath and breathe life in. The world is a glorious place to live. 1983, though, is a big year because Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. Uh, this is her... That's my horses joke earlier. Horses, 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 horses. Reteaming with Tom Hanks. Um, another movie I had never seen. Um, I could not believe when that... Were you, when were you born? I mean, I know I'm older than you, but like... I was born in 1988. And meeting. <laughs> Listen, we're meeting people now who are born in like 2001. Don't like, it's sh- disgusting. Literally, I met a, a news anchor who was who was like graduated college like three years ago, and I was like, "No, yeah." And also on top of that, I was like, "Oh no, I will never look like a man. Use you, you look like a man. I do not. I will always just look like a pile of dough." You know what I also <laughs> hate, I, and like it's deeply embarrassing when like people have like the year they were born tattooed on their body. I'm like, sweetie, there is nothing cute about like being born in 2002. Yeah, no, ugh. You, you missed nine eleven. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> anyway, sleeps in Seattle. Another Nora Ephron joint. Yeah, I didn't realize that they don't meet until the end of the movie. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Um, also, she plays a journalist, so she's preparing her entire collegiate career for this. <laughs> um, also, LOL, the things that journalists quote unquote did in the nineties, just hanging out, figuring out, you know, a story about a guy on the radio, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I have nothing else to do. Um, she, I mean, she like literally abuses her position to find yes! out where he lives. <laughs> she so, said, like, Alexa, show me um, men who are recently like widowed in the Chicago <laughs> right. area. Um, yeah, I, I, I think for me, this is the lesser of the triumvirate of like when people think of Meg Ryan, they think of this movie. With Harry Mattelli and you've got mail. That's kind yes. of like the trifecta. Um, I think this is the lesser work of them, just because the story is perhaps a little bit too ridiculous for me to like glom onto. Like this poor man is grieving his wife who has yeah. died. And, and like, it's and it's only been a year. A year. Yeah. Uh, like, babe, I broke up with my ex a year ago and I'm still going through it. Okay. Right. And he's and he he lives in the neighborhood next down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like he's not dead. This man's wife is dead. Weirdly, weirdly in Seattle. (laughs) So crazy. So crazy. Um, Yeah. So his wife dies. And so him and his son moved to Seattle to like start afresh and like, you know, just try and like get away from like the hauntings of her everywhere. And um, also kids are so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, On the DL, like I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard that Nora Ephron got rid of the kid because she didn't like him. 
but I've also heard that Tom Hanks got the original kid fired because he was too disruptive, and they replaced him with this kid, and Nora Ephron was like, yeah, I guess that's fine, but, like, also, I don't like his face. That is a gag. Yeah. Um, this kid I thought was pretty good. I thought he was fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no matter. Um, uh, I, I love, um, I so deeply love An Affair to Remember. Okay. The fact that it's like such a big part of the plot yes. of this movie, I will never, I will, I will like, but also like Rita like keeps, keeps spoils the whole. Like if you've if you've not seen a fair to remember, don't watch Sleepless in Seattle first because Rita will literally just tell you the whole thing. Uh, but also, um, I I love Rosie O'Donnell as uh yes um the best friend the, the best friend. I was listening to him talk about how much he loved his wife, and suddenly I was crying. It's like what happens when I watch those phone company ads. I don't have to see the whole thing, just the part where the daughter gives the mother the refrigerator with a big red, red bow on it. Yes, the Polaroid commercial. Two five-year-olds at their grandfather's birthday party. They're making the album oh, with all the glow. That kills me. <laughs> you should write something about this. The original director of this movie was Nick Castle. If you don't remember that name, it is Nick Castle, film director, but also the original Michael Myers from Halloween. Huh! Yeah, uh, and he went on to direct rom-coms and whatnot, and he didn't like the way Nora Ephron was taking the script. He thought he was, she was making it too silly, and when he left the project, they offered it to her to direct. Wow. So, yeah, we could have gotten Michael Myers's Sleepless, Sleepless in, in Seattle. Seattle. That's kind of a gag. <laughs> um, also, the, the previously mentioned Flesh and Bone... Um, you know, the mid-90s were really just she was riding high. You yeah, know, I do I do want to mention powers. we don't we don't often talk about projects past on occasionally we will bring it up, but it's usually not a bit but I do she was offered Silence of the Lambs. And yeah. she thought the script was too scary and dark and didn't want to do it. You know, you really you hit and miss. You never know what's gonna it's just what appeals to you at the time and you have a certain reasoning process that goes along when you're so I never regret really anything, but I, I felt like it was just so dark of an arena, and I just didn't want to be in that for a few months. I just didn't, I didn't want to just then. And I, you know what? It probably would not have been a hit if I was in it. <laughs> you know, they, it was such a great movie. She certainly doesn't have like the severity of right. um, they, there's Jody. A, yeah, Jody Foster has, it's such a mannered performance, and I yeah. don't know if Meg Ryan would have, I think she would have been fine. Yeah, I don't think she would have been able to like get to the like kind of heart of Clary Starling. Yeah, I mean the heart and also like the hardness. Like <laughs> yeah. she's not like a very. I don't think of Meg Ryan as a very like anchored performer. I think of her <laughs> as like kind of like this dancer. She's kind of always like floating and like kind of you yeah. know um, more of a, a, a fanciful vibe, if you will. Tell me, Dr. Lecter, who is Buffalo Bill? <laughs> <laughs> I say that, but also will eat my fucking words because the next year she has two more films. The first one is IQ, which is a ridiculous movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> I knew somebody in college whose favorite movie was IQ, and I've not seen it since college. And I rewatched it for this, and I was like, oh, I hope that person hasn't, like, died or something, <laughs> like, hasn't, like killed somebody or like psychopathic behavior because this movie is like what would happen if we made a movie about albert einstein's niece 
and it's a rom-com. Right. Because, but she only likes smart guys. But then she meets a dumb guy, but he's actually secretly smart. And, and like... And he proceeds to... It's funny. Uh, the director was like, Tim Robbins fought me every day because he kept being like, I don't think she would fall in love with somebody who lied to her so much. And he clearly didn't understand that that was the point of the movie. And it's like, I actually think Tim Robbins is right. Yes. So there's that movie, which is whatever. Um, but then uh, there's also When a Man Loves a Woman, um, which is a very lovely tearjerker yeah. uh, drama um, starring um, her and fucking Andy Garcia, who is my God. <laughs> when he blows into that bar, the first scene, my, he's just like, do you want to pick up my laundry? Like, yeah. Can I make you a carrot cake? <laughs> With cream oh cheese? my god! Oh my god! That and like they're already married in the scene. Like they're having a game. Like because yeah. this guy is like hitting on Meg Ryan, and and Andy Garcia sees it and he walks in. And but when he says like she's like, and what do you do for me? And he's like, I'll bake you something. And he's like, Well, what will you bake me? And he's like, I bet you you love chocolate. I'm allergic to chocolate. Do you like carrot cake? Very much. Well then, cream cheese frosting. My specialty. <laughs> so fucking hot. It's. I mean, they have sizzling chemistry. Yeah. Um. But also, she. I. You know, this uh, is a very dramatic turn for her. She plays an alcoholic, and um. God, there are some deeply affecting scenes in this movie. Yeah. Um. I think they're very good. Um. Also, I- fucking. There is only one good child actor, and her name is Tina Margarino. Marjorie, what's, what's the fuck's her name? No, I think it's Ma- Ma- Margarino. Is it? I mean, I, the, whatever it is, that was close enough. Tina Margarino. Yeah, Tina Margarino. Yeah. Um, did you also clock who May. the other kid is? Yeah, May, May Whitman. Whitman. May Whitman. Whitman. May Whitman. Um, May Whitman. Yes. Wow. Wow. Those those are the two titans of child actors. Yeah. I love both of those children so much. Those actresses are brilliant. I want them in everything. Um, and as the kids of Andy Garcia and Meg Ryan, genius. Just genius. So that movie came out in 94. I remember my mom renting it, so it was probably 95 because it used to actually take time between yeah. theater theatrical presentation and video. Um, and uh, that scene where she falls through the glass of the shower haunts me like yep. i still think about that and i did i i hadn't thought about it in years but the re-watching it and seeing it happen i was like oh i remember see like i can picture my living like my childhood living room and seeing that um yeah i think i i i think it's a, a very effective movie it's certainly not my favorite but i think she's great in it and and um i think the other strength of the film is that like the I think the compulsion when you're making a movie about somebody who has a disease like alcoholism is that you make it just about the alcoholism, but it's an interesting turn in that it's also a movie about how it is affecting the people around her, specifically her family, and what it's like to be a family member of somebody who has yeah uh, you know is suffering yeah. and. I think it does a really good job without ever like painting Andy Garcia as some sort of hero. Oh yeah. He's certainly not. He like makes mistakes. I think there's a lot of really powerful stuff in it. There's I think there's something that keeps me at a slight distance about it. So it's kind of like a three and a half star movie for me more than like a but I I do 
I really love her performance, especially. Yeah. And she changes a lot in the movie. Yeah. From from beginning to end. Yeah, totally. I, I really like it a lot. Um, the next year, she has two more films. Again, um, she produces French Kiss. Um, yeah. Restoration. She does a little period piece. Um, you know, and, and again, like, it's, I can't state this enough. Like, these movies are making money, honey. Yeah. Um, like in the hundreds of millions of dollars range, like even though people don't maybe remember like French Kiss as much, like it's, it's, it, it was hidden back in 1995. You know, I say if you've not seen French Kiss in a while, go back and watch it. Oh. <laughs> I, I really like it. It's All really, that? it's really cute. I mean, this year is, you know, a critic called her the soul of romantic comedy in 1985. Yeah. She was winning awards. You know, she won the Harvard Hasty Pudding Woman of the Year Award. Um, People Magazine named her one of the 50 most beautiful women of the, in the world. Um, she won the Women in Film Crystal Award, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, <laughs> like, so she, you know, this is like the peak of her. And and I, I you know, I don't want to compare but I do think compared to LOL, I don't want to compare, but compared to, um, but you know, she, she had the the softest edges of the quote unquote America sweethearts. Yeah. Her, her movies were just warm and soft and cuddly. And like, even, you know, something like when a man loves a woman, which ridiculous title, LOL, but it's even though it has like some of the sharp edges, like she is an alcoholic, you know, it's, and by the end, you are still like safe and sound. Everything is resolved. Yeah. Um, and she certainly wasn't. You know, I think after this, like after ninety five, she's trying to like push a little bit. You know, she starts yes. getting into like these war movies and stuff. Um, but you know, uh, I think she was probably like the most middle of the road, safe, girly doing these rom coms and like um, America's Sweetheart type movies. Um, and I think okay. they were fun for her. And I think that's maybe something yeah. that, like, is not talked about enough. But, like, I don't know. There's something to be said about loving your job. And yeah. I know people will be like, well, you know, maybe she took the easy way out by mostly doing rom-coms. But, like, she was having a good time. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with, with like, being like, I'm good at this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And, like, I'm yeah. going to enjoy it. Yeah, and I think also she, Isn't that like, the goal? Like, aren't yeah. we supposed to love what we do? I think also, I mean, there's interviews with Tom Hanks and being like, listen, it was just easy to work with her. You know, no drama. Like, learn your lines. Show up. Like, she was so... Even though, you know... She, she, this is before. We'll get to it later. But, like, she was not in the tabloids. Right. She was just, like, you know... And, and honestly, like, you know, as much of reputation as Tom Hanks has as, like, America's dad... I think that's how Tom Hanks really likes it. Like, I think he's kind of a persnickety, like, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. person. And so to have her be such a professional, you know, really, yeah. you know. Yeah, but that's, a, that's, also, that's also a good, like, parallel, though, because, like, Tom Hanks, by virtue of being a man, he knew how to, like, flex the muscles to, like, get what he wanted right. and build the career he wanted. And I mean, of course, like he wanted to be an actor, um, but and, and she, you know, certainly like produced a little here and there, but like wasn't commanding the power that she probably could have, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think yeah. also clearly like Tom Hanks has 
continued to work, done all sorts of things, made movies, made movies for other people, still is doing his own movies. Um, whereas Meg has not been, you know, and I, I think that's, there's a lot there. Like media was not scrutinizing her or him the way right. they were her. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's fucked up. Um, so after 95, we get Courage Under Fire with Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, another sur- Southern gal. Um, this movie is for America. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's wild because it's just not really her movie. I mean, she's yeah. the lead woman in it, but also like, I hate to say it, it could have been anyone. Because yeah. it's not yeah. like, and I love Denzel and I think he's great. and I think he's doing good work in the movie, but like. It's his movie, and yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I, I have such conflicting feelings about Courage on a Fire. I also don't think it's a great movie, but I think I think they're both pretty good in it. But, like, she's she could... Be it's a thankless role. It is a thankless role. Um, I would only watch this movie if you want to see Lou Diamond Phillips shirtless working out. Yeah, and good. And, like, really, he's, he's good in it as well, too. Yeah. I will say very sad, and the, yeah. hor- the horrors of war... Is bad. Fucking bad. Truly bad. Let's not fucking do that. Um, 97, big year for Child Louis. Big <laughs> year. Um, oh, are we, we going to take a journey to the past? Honey, heart don't fail me now. Okay. <laughs> uh, she is the titular Anastasia. Um, she is. In, she, in, she was not killed in that basement. No, 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 no. Uh, thank goodness for Dimitri. Um, yeah, Anastasia, which is uh, Dom Bluth. It's a huge hit, um, opposite of John Cusack, who plays Dimitri. Um, I think, I mean, now I guess technically she's a Disney princess, but for a long time she was not. She was out there on her own. Peppermint and oil for my hands. Yes. I spilled the bottle. The carpet was soaked and it forever smelled of peppermint. Like you. I used to lie there on that rug and oh, how I missed you when you went away. When you came here to Paris. That same year, Addicted to Love comes out. This is the era where they decide to straighten her bangs and her make her edgy. This is also like, I feel like the late 90s, heroin chic was all the rage. Yeah. Yep. Eyeshadow. Um, so, I mean, she looks like a fucking raccoon in this movie. It's not even eyeshadow at that point. It's just like, she looks like fucking Daryl Hannah Blade Runner, just a black streak over her eyes. like Because she's edgy. <laughs> exactly. She rides a motorcycle. It's an alleged black comedy. I Where are the jokes? Where, Where are the jokes? <laughs> yeah. Moving right the fuck along. I mean, this oh my, is... And, like, ugh, I don't want to stay on it too much, but, like, her and um, Matthew Broderick have no chemistry. Well, no. Just a chemis- chemistry void. Yeah, no, no. Like, I this movie, I, I don't know who, you know, what company made this movie, but it feels like they were like, you know, it's, like, really cool and hip right now. Indie movies about New York. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like... Uh, it wants so badly to be like a cool hip indie film, but it's just not. It's actually disturbing. Um, it's like, it's like the plot is literally Matthew Broderick is stalking his ex Kelly Preston because she's dating a Frenchman now in New York. 
And Meg Ryan is like, oh, that Frenchman is my ex and I want to fucking ruin his life. Um, and she figures out Matthew Broderick is stalking them and it's like, let me help you stalk them. And there's a fucking, there is a psychotic scene where they break into their apartment, they dress in their ex's clothes and they fuck each other. Yeah. And and we're supposed to be like, ha, 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 these people are great. <laughs> it's it's darkness. It fully is darkness. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, the culture was not okay. No. Um, and and I will say, you know, these are some dark years for Miss Ryan. Um, yeah. We then get City of Angels in 1998. Um, what is this movie? <laughs> what is this movie? <laughs> I. Uh... I watched it a lot as a teen. I watched it a lot. And that's not good. That's not good. Um, you know, it's a very, very loose remake. I would almost... It's it's like a remake of Vim Vender's uh, Wings of Desire. But it, like, kind of also just sort of exists as a side-by-side companion piece. Where But where that movie's, like, a deep movie about philosophy and life and death... This is like a schmaltzy romance about an angel who falls in love with a woman and like but also, it has to end in tragedy. And I was going to say, I I was like, this movie is so fucking dark. Um, the way, the, spoiler alert, he like decides to become a human for her. Right. And then she dies. <laughs> oh, like what and the like, fuck? And not only like I... You know, as a kid, I didn't think about, like, I was like, oh, that's so sad for him. There's a bit when she's dying and she's like, I fucked it up for you, essentially. I screwed up. No. I wanted to show you everything. You will. You gave all this away. I'm sorry. No. Oh, God, no, Meg. You and feel you be able to hold your hand right now. Do you know what that means to me? Do you you know how much I love you? And I was like, so not only is she dying, she's like dying full of guilt. Yeah. Because she's like, you had this. You were an angel. You were a perfect being. You were literally a perfect being, and you became incredibly flawed and and. Uh, human for me and now uh, bye <laughs> like, i feel I like i feel like there are some freaks out there who'll be like but the romance they got one beautiful day together yeah and that, that and was enough and but i like, feel like that's what the movie wants you to think but that's not healthy guys like we no. can't be we can't be living like this like that is a cruel <laughs> punishing thing for this writer yeah. this movie to be like and then they snatched her to, to show what? To prove what? That, like, take a chance on love, but you might die. Like, <laughs> nothing, yeah, nothing is uh, nothing is promised, Louis. Know Wrong. that. Not even when it's Nicolas Cage as an angel. What's the song in this movie? Well, I don't want the world. <laughs> yes. Which I, I don't think Yeah. Which I sing to annoy Dan. Yeah. Because everything's married to be broken. Iris by Buffalo's own The Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> Not Buffalo's own. Buffalo's uh, own. Um, and then also Sarah McLaughlin's in the arms of an angel. Yeah. Hey, listen. I'm not gonna on knock, the nose. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to knock the soundtrack. Uh, there's some bangers on it. Alanis Morissette's Uninvited, previously mentioned. Yes, yes. But you 
You're, You're uninvited. So good. <laughs> um, it's much better when Kelly Clarkson and Alanis do it, trust me. <laughs> also, this year we get um, the final Tom Hanks, the final... Um, not Technically not final, but final rom-com. Yes. He, sh- he shows up in another film with her later, but we'll get to that. Uh, it's 1998's You've Got Mail, um, also directed... By Nora Ephron. Yeah. Um, it is the, you know, the final leg in the the rom-com, like, triangle uh, uh, perfecta of... of, of maybe, uh, the, maybe the last time a, a rom-com looked like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like... I'd agree with that. Instead of looking like a commercial. Instead of looking like to all the boys I've loved before or whatever. Ah! Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is also... So, Kevin... We, this is a retelling of a story that we have seen before, correct? Yes. Uh, well, I mean, famously, The Shop Around the Corner, um, which is an older movie. We saw it for this show as In the Good Old Summertime, yes. which is a, a musical with yes. um, Judy Garland. Yes. And she's singing, I don't care. Um, and, uh, and that movie the, fucking slaps. Oh, Let me does. just say that. It absolutely does. Um, the... The there's another musical that's based off it, which I've seen and now can't think of the it, name of. She she loves me. She loves, she loves me. me. There yes. it is. Um, yes. So it's an oft-told tale. I will say that I think you know this is also another one I had not seen. Let me say that. Wow! Wow! Where are you? Like, are, have you never been near a TV during the holiday season? Have you? <laughs> you know. I know for some people, white women really just do it for them. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love white women. Samantha knows I love her deeply. Um, but no, I, no, I, I don't. I don't know. I just um, it, it. A lot of these movies just felt like older people movies, and I just never got around to it. Um, and I knew, like, I knew what it was about, and you know. Um, but I will say, I think uh, you know, I prefer like the Venom in the summertime um okay yeah yeah like in this movie they like yeah kind of don't like each other and there's the business thing that's like really what's the fight about it's not like is it called in the summertime in the heat of the summertime in the good old summertime and the good old summertime they like detest each other because of of their manners you know like it's a comedy of manners and it's the same in the shop around the corner like yeah yeah the I I love You've Got Mail, I will say, but I, you're right. And I think this goes back to the thing I was talking about in the intro, which is that times were changing. Mm. And I think the press really needed somebody that was so clean. And, so, and I think this movie plays into that for both Tom Hanks and her. I mean, they have to show you, like, off the bat that, like... Tom Hanks, yeah, he works for a a big, like, rich company, but also, like, he's so good with kids, and, like, oh, he's got such a heart and whatnot. Well, that's what Parker Posey's also there. Right. She's there to, like, make him look good because she is so horrible. Right, and and it's the same with Greg Kinnear, And, and it's not that Greg Kinnear's horrible, but it's just that, like, he's so dead. 
and in ridiculous. comparison to, yeah. to Meg Ryan. He's just so like, I love my old typewriters and oh, let's talk philosophy. And like Meg Ryan's like, no, I can't be tamed. I'm flighty and free. Yeah. And I, I, the thing that kills me always, and let me tell you, I love that ending, even though once again, Tom Hanks is absolutely gaslighting her. Um, he, he is truly catfishing. He's yeah. like, yeah. He's like, what if this guy is fat? <laughs> you don't like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Uh, she gives up so easily. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't feel like there's a reason her store closes in the movie. And I never thought about that till this time. But I, I mean, obviously, the economic pressure of being across the street from like a book warehouse, essentially. Right. Um, and little do they know that Amazon was going to kill them both in a couple years anyways. But uh, the but like she's just like eh, the store is closed. Yeah. And then you get that moment when she's closing it of like remembering her mother and whatnot. And I was like, then why are you fucking giving up? Like, yeah. don't give up. Yeah, uh, I, I liked it. I think, you know, there's some good banter here and there. Again, I think it like. I don't think the the thrust of the movie is as strong as when Harry met Sally. Yeah. I think um, because this is not, they don't dislike each other because of manners. They dislike each other because of business. And right. like they do this whole bit of like, it's, you know, it's not personal, it's business. And like, oh, it's only not personal to you. Like, but that they have an extended like thing of like, you know, him winning her over. And, you know, I, it, it just doesn't feel as weighty. It doesn't feel like, Oh, you've actually offended this person. And they, they kind of tell us in the movie, it's like, cause they do this big blitz campaign where she's fighting and like, you know, small right. stories, whatever. But the, they're like, well, we did all that. And still like people aren't coming. And it's like, that's the, the tough reality. Like you can tell people everything up and down about like what's right and wrong, but like in the end convenience and like, cheap prices are going to win out like yeah there's no like moral morality isn't going to like shift people to like give you more dollars and that's just like a function of fucking capitalism that we are all crushed under you know yeah um so i like you've got mail i think they're very good i think she's good but perhaps not as for me affecting as um yeah at least when harry met sally like when harry met sally to me is like the top of that cake. You were spying on me, weren't you? You probably rented those children. Why would I spy on you? Because I am your competition, which you know perfectly well, or you would not have put up that sign just around the corner. The entrance to our store is around the corner, and there's no other way of saying that. It's not the name of our store, it's where it is. And you do not own the phrase around the corner. What is that? What are you doing? What is that? What are you doing? You're taking all the caviar? That caviar is a garnish. I I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Like, but I do really like it. And let me tell you, I still think that ending is is really oh, uh, my, uh, oh, my, my, my friend my friend Sarah also, because I posted a clip of it on my Instagram, she like messaged and was like, I also miss when like Tom Hanks was sort of an object of desire yeah. in movies. And it's like, yeah. Okay, listen. I don't agree with that. When I was watching When Harry Met Sally, I was like, it is so crazy that normal humans got to be in movies before. Yeah. Like, and that's the other thing is like Meg Ryan's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, but looks like a normal person yeah. in in When Harry Met Sally. Like every every like person surrounding them looks like a normal human, is not super jacked, is not perfectly quaffed and plucked everywhere. Um it's just 
but it's the, okay because Jacob Elordi can get like five GQ pictures and everybody shuts down Twitter because they're like, oh my god, he's wearing glasses. Like I, I know, and mm. and that's and, and <laughs> I I haven't seen Jacob Elordi in anything, and so I don't know if he's a good actor or not. But yes, the point is yes. Like you used to be able to look like fucking Tom Hanks and be a love interest. You used to get to look like Billy Crystal and be a love interest. And, yeah. And I'm not saying it's better or worse, like, and, and hot people will be fine. They've always have been. But, like, there is something about just being fucking charming and silly and goofy and, like, you know, just being a fucking star um, and not having nothing to do with how hot you were. Um, and <sighs> Bad I, news I, for people like me who are both ugly and have no personality. But it's okay. I'll see you at the meetings. <laughs> I think as we head into the, you know, 2000s, we're going to see... You know, um, how that and the changing Hollywood has effect is like affects Meg's career. Yeah. Um, let's zoom through a couple of days. So we talked a little bit about hanging up in our dying Keat episode. Yeah, I couldn't put myself through it again. I didn't watch it. <laughs> um, I watched Proof of Life. This is where she meets Russell Crowe and then starts her yeah. little dilly dalliance with Russell. Yeah. Um, though she has said, and I believe her. That is not what killed our marriage. That was a really hard aspect of the whole thing. I mean, the tabloid aspect of it was really heartbreaking. And there was, for me, something I never really wanted to talk about in depth because I have a little boy. Mm-hmm. And because I feel like you can never really win in the, in the way a tabloid tells a story. It's a very black and white, very overly simplistic moral universe that certain st- people's stories are supposed to fit in. Yeah. And they don't. It was a very unhealthy marriage. Yeah. And it was pretty much not a happening marriage for, for a very long time. I probably should have left much earlier. And I'm mm-hmm. very, I was very sad, actually, that it all had to come apart in the way that it seemed to have. You know, mm-hmm. that it, it was never about another man. It was mm-hmm. only about what our my and Dennis's relationship just couldn't sustain you know I believe that because Dennis Quaid you know struggling with alcoholism right um you know so yeah lots of things um proof of life is a movie that's like what if negotiating for hostages was an action movie yeah I don't know and it fe- and it feels like it's setting up for like a, a bunch of sequels too and it's like yes. yeah, it's like this didn't get it that's no. <laughs> because um, it would have been Russell Crowe with romancing the wife of kidnapped people in every different country. Like a deeply boring moving TBH yeah. and LOL at them making up a fake like Latin country. Um, yeah. In 2001, I would say perhaps her last great rom-com, uh, Kate and Leopold. Um, yeah. Another movie I had not seen. Um, oh, funny. Hugh um, Jackman. Incredible. I, I actually hadn't seen it until our good friends at the B-Side asked me to be on one of their very first episodes of, about Hugh Jackman. And so I watched it. But I've only ever seen the director's cut, which is the more fucked up version. It's about seven minutes uh, longer. And in it, you, fi- you find out that Hugh Jackman is um, Liev Schreiber's ancestor, which means, uh. yeah, which means that Meg Ryan's been fucking her like great 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 grandson oh yeah <laughs> did they not think that through i don't know i don't I, know i'm glad someone <laughs> at the studio said we can take that, that out we can cut yeah. that out i just will say hugh jackman was born to play like ancient englishman yeah. um and sell butter so so charming selling that butter you know something 
Nobody gives a rat's ass that you have to push the toast down twice. You know why? Because everybody pushes their toast down twice. Not where I come from. Oh, because where you come from, toast is the result of reflection and study. Ah, yes, you mock me. But perhaps one day, when you've awoken from a pleasant slumber to the scent of a warm brioche smothered in marmalade and fresh creamery butter, you'll understand that life is not solely comprised of tasks, but tastes. Say that again. 2003, this is a pivotal moment in her career. She makes In the Cut with Jane Campion. Um, we've talked about this. This has um, also been big on it. We talked a, a bit of it, about it in the Mark Ruffalo episode. I cut it out of the Jennifer Jason Lee episode, unfortunately, just because I didn't want that episode to be super long. Um, and then we also talked about this on screen drafts because yeah. it's, it's famously an F-Cinema score. Uh, what a great movie. What a yeah. good fucking horny movie. Horny, horny, horny. Dangerous. She's naked. Mark Ruffalo's naked. It's hot. Um, she, you know, she plays a woman who finds out she's into some really fucking dangerous sex and she likes the excitement of it. And also, is her boyfriend a killer? Hmm. She's a dangerous woman, okay? Yeah. Um, this There's movie... a little, little red lighthouse in it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie uh, was really controversial and the media... This paired with the Russell Crowe Crow, yeah. dissolvement of her marriage um, really did a number on her her reputation um, in the public's eye right. within Hollywood. Um, people thought she was crazy for making this movie. Why, why is Meg Ryan naked and having right. sex and fucking on camera? Which uh, like – on the opposite side of that, this movie was produced by Nicole Kimmon. It originally was supposed to star Nicole Kimmon. If Nicole Kimmon had done this, nobody would have batted an eyelash. They would have been like, yeah. wow, Nicole's taking chances. Yeah. You know, and and like famously in this period, she had a, a interview, a BBC interview mm-hmm. where the the uh, presenter who later went on to apologize. He actually just passed away in, in August, but like was rude to her yeah. because yeah. she wouldn't answer the questions the way that he wanted her to answer the questions yeah just like pointed and very accusatory and like misogynistic you know like yeah now that you're wary of journalists i mean does it give you an insight into what they're after now that i'm wary of them yes you are wary of journalists you're wary of me you're wary of the interview you don't like being interviewed you can see it in the way that you you sit in the way you are that's you don't like doing it (laughs) <laughs> so, so therefore, well, I mean, it's a perfectly e- easy question, de- a decent question what, to ask you about it, being it, a journalist. I mean, in other words, if you were me, what would you do now? Well, just wrap it up. <laughs> it is at times a, a hard watch because there is a lot of like violence in this movie, but it is sexy. It's thrilling. Um, Mark Ruffalo, by God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is Meg trying to do stuff she's trying to you know um do different things um it doesn't really work out um the next movie against the ropes which is flop all around more angry straightened hair and the land of women in 2007 lol the way that my dumb dumb millennial brain in high school was like wow adam brody is so crazy and so sexy this movie is this movie's stupid. Men are not okay. Um, yeah. The director writer of this certainly was going through something and was trying to like 
say something, but like let this woman have her cancer and not have to fucking like manic pixie dream boy with fucking Adam right. Brody. And and like listen, you you mentioned that in the cut and like against the ropes are big disasters. She takes three years off. Yeah. And admittedly, like she's going through or she just went through a divorce. She has a kid. It's around this time that she adopts her second kid. She adopts a daughter. But like that's the train the train is slowing. Yeah. Um, you know, after this the, we get the signs are there. <laughs> 2008's The Deal, which is a horrendous fake movie. Yeah. Um 2008, you know, there's a lot, but it's a lot of crap. Um uh, we get uh, my mom's new boyfriend, um The Women. Yeah. Which is perhaps the greatest filmed catastrophe I have ever fucking seen. The original The Women is cinematic gold. Cinematic, just glamour, beauty. Like, just so, so fucking good. Um, Run to watch it, please. And this was supposed to be, like, the modern take of, like, girlies today. And I had already seen this movie, but I had forgotten so much about it. Same. Same. I knew we were one minute in, in horrendous trouble when, like, Annette Bening throws away one of, like, the most iconic lines from the original movie. Yes. Um, there's a there's a word for women like you, but you rarely see it out of kennels. The way she delivers it is horrendous. And it, yeah. And, it, and it's, like, um, a voiceover. Um, so she's not even telling it to anyone. It's 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 bad. And then she steps into Saks Fifth Avenue. The camera turns on her glasses, and it's like Terminator it. Vision. Yeah, but for sales. I was like, oh, this movie doesn't respect women, doesn't understand women, which is which is wild because like it was a pet project of Diane English who created Murphy Brown mm-hmm. and like had developed it for years, and Julia Roberts wanted the lead role, and yeah, it's. I think she must have like had to sell her soul for the devil, like because she she made so many concessions to like sex it up and make it yeah. like you know because that Terminator Vision moment is like for who the teenage boys who are gonna right. like trying to get in this movie like it's the movie doesn't work on any level and then I will say also Meg her character is nothing her character is yeah. nothing now it's really coming to a stop we get serious Moonlight in two thousand nine. Yeah. horrendous you know trying it, it's it's hard to talk about serious moonlight because it's just made it's made under duress essentially like yeah um the, the adrian shelley had been murdered it was her final script she had just had a huge hit with you know an underground hit with um waitress uh, waitress and it had blown up and cheryl hines who was her friend decided to direct and I just wish, you know, her husband produced it. And I just wish somebody had been like, guys, the script wasn't finished. It's yeah. clearly not ready to be filmed. And and Cheryl Hines, like, you are not, this should not be your directorial debut. The movie looks bad. It's a personality void, which is really sucks because it's Timothy Hutton again with uh, Meg Ryan. You know they have chemistry because they're both in French Kiss together. And then poor Kristen bell like i don't know what she's doing in this movie and then justin long like what like yeah i I, I think when like movies don't know what their tone is they just call themselves a black comedy and it's like that does not make your movie okay yeah um okay i didn't see her directorial debut in ithaca yeah so okay huge 
Huge gap. 2009, mm-hmm. Serious Moonlight comes out. Meg Ryan, done. Done mm-hmm. with... Uh, she She does a pilot in like 2013, I think. Oh, right, for NBC. Yeah, it doesn't get picked up. She does a couple, like five episodes of Web Therapy with Lisa Kudrow, who she met when she did the Diane Keaton movie. Um, but like for the most part, Meg Ryan's like, I'm raising kids. I'm not doing this. I'm out of... She decides to make a movie out of Ithaca. It's based on the book, The Human Comedy, which had previously been made into a film in the 40s, I think. Um, and she said this novel brought her a lot of comfort while, during her divorce. And that's really fucked up because it's truly a novel about loss. <laughs> it's it's a movie about a boy who takes a job um, working at a telegraph company during the early years of World War II. His older brother, who in this movie is played by her son, Jack mm-hmm. Wade, mm-hmm. Um, goes off to war. And uh, Meg Ryan is the mother of these two kids. And sh- she's kind of in a depressive state because her husband, played by Tom Hanks, has passed away. But she keeps seeing him around the house. And yeah, it's it could be better. It is a very much a first movie. It's also like one of those movies where you can tell a lot of people were like, yeah, it's the forties. Make it very sepia, like yeah. make it very classic looking. Um, but she surrounded her cast with great, like Hamish Linklater's in it. And it, it it's a really good cast, but it's really kind of a, ugh, of a movie. Um, which bummed me out because I was like, yay, Meg Ryan directing. I thought a fellow would never cry when he got to be grown up. But that's when you start finding out about things. There will always be pain in this world, Homer. And a good man will seek to take the pain out of things. So that's in 2015. She is in some archival footage in Top Gun Maverick last year. Uh, and that gets to now with what happens later. Um, her second um, directorial, you know, um, outing, um, which we'll talk about in our fast forward. But like it, she, she basically said, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I need to figure my, my own shit out away from she's, Hollywood. She's not. Yeah. She's not getting the roles she wants. And nobody will accept her outside of the role. And also like. I don't want to talk about this too much because I don't think it's a negative thing. Anybody can do whatever they want to their body. Like she's clearly had some plastic surgery. That's fine. If you fucking Google anything about her, if you Google Meg Ryan, like there's like a billion things about her plastic surgery and it is toxic and awful. And she clearly did it because there was pressure for her to like stay forever fucking 25. Yeah. Um, And yeah, uh, I don't know. Like it's, we're so obsessed. We're so obsessed with the way people look and it's scary and terrifying. And it make it makes me feel for her in a way. And like, for all I know, she maybe got that plastic surgery because she wanted it. But like in my heart of hearts, I think yeah, it I, was a, a calculated decision. And like, now people are like, Oh, yeah. how could she do that? And it's like, she did it once again, like I was saying for you. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think she's talked about like how, there was just no winning. There was no, you know, she had an interview in um, the New York Times magazine a couple of years ago. And she was like, there's this, I couldn't do anything right. And I, I had to take time off to, you know, raise my kids and also just like figure out who I was outside of 
Hollywood. Right. Um, and I'm glad she did. Um, she, re- like we mentioned, um, she has her son, Jack Quaid, who is now very famous actor um her daughter um is it something true daisy true daisy true she Um, said she said there's no coincidence like she's like this is the child i was supposed to have like they have a very strong connection um she's she had been in a long on and off relationship with john mellencamp um they were engaged they ended it in 2019 um and she in that same interview she's like sometimes i just think like Maybe, you know, not not every relationship has to last forever. And maybe, like, right. there is not, like, a partner for everyone for, for a long time, um, you know, that lasts forever. And I'm like, fuck yeah, girl. Like, I love that. And also, you know, big uh, supporter of the Democratic Party, you know, fundraisers and whatnot. Um, the, that's sort of her charity of choice is politics. Um, I've, he- I've heard her talk about Me Too and everything as well. Um, and yeah, she's never been nominated for an Oscar. She's got uh, racked up a bunch of Golden Globe nominations, uh, but never won one. So I don't yeah. know. It's it's kind of crazy that she, it, you know, she's such a staple in our lives, but like no one's ever th- felt to like give her an award for it. Yeah, I feel you know it's it's a little bit bizarre for the cultural impact she made. Um, it it kind of speaks to like how um little we value you know stories that are feminine in nature yeah i mean this like emotional um you know love stories um that don't center men um and you know she was never like the sex kitten she was never you know um, and she could be sexy but you're right it was never about that right And, and i think in ways that like other you know, America's Sweetheart type actresses did and, and good for them, like great. But like she just her sex appeal was never part of the equation of her success. And I think when Hollywood became even more and more obsessed with bodies, um, they did not know what to do with her. And, yeah. you know, as such kind of throughout um, and she has has been and continues to scratch um, to, you know, make what she wants to make now. Um and for that, I say brava. Um, Gavin, why don't we get into our picks? Absolutely. Um, let's start with our one-star reviews. Well, Gavin, there are some some movies we could talk about, huh? Yeah, there. <laughs> there's unfortunately uh, more than even a couple of really, really bad films in here. And I, you know... I, I we try and keep it positive on the show, but like we're not gonna lie to you. No, Some of these are not, you know the reviews not are in fact mixed. Um, I'll go first. I you know there are some hard watches, some movies I deeply don't like. The Women is truly an astoundingly horrid film, but I think for me the true uh, one star is uh, what year is this? 1997's Addicted to Love. It, uh, uh, I don't know why it's called this. I don't know why the to the the cachet of the song of the Robert Palmer song. That's it. That's it, baby. Everything that they're selling about this movie is a fucking lie. Um, yeah. Because yeah, so this movie was directed by Griffin Dunn, written by Robert Gordon, um, stars Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick, Kelly Preston and 
a French guy whose name I cannot pronounce. Um, well, we're going to get emails. <laughs> That's a lie. We never get emails. <laughs> um, it, it, the story starts off on Matthew Broderick. He's in a small town. He's like an astronomer or some shit. Um, he's always looking at the stars. His girlfriend, Kelly Preston, comes home and she's like, I'm moving to New York because I want more out of life. And he's like, but what about no? And she, <laughs> yeah, I, that's accurate. And, and the only funny part of this movie is she's like, well, bye. I'm out of here. Um, I thought that was funny. Fuck him. Follow your heart. <laughs> but then, like, some sort of fucking Batman, he travels to New York and is... I think squatting in a dilapidated apartment across the street from where she now lives. You're absolutely correct. He has brought in some of his astronomy stuff, telescopes and whatnot, to spy on her. Um, Has set up some sort of technology to broadcast. So he's videotaping her and broadcasting said videotape onto a wall so he can watch her everyday life as a movie. Well, and see, if, he learned it from the telescopes. Right. That's how that works. Um, and if this sounds like a horror film, it's because it is. Um, <laughs> his, his, his ex-girlfriend has, you know, moved in with this hot French guy. They're like seemingly like deeply in love, always fucking, always like having a great time. There's a mysterious figure on a motorcycle. And they're so, like, mysterious. And this person, I don't know, fucking falls through the roof into this dilapidated apartment with Matthew Broderick, takes off their helmet. Uh-oh, it's Angry Bangs Meg Ryan. Um, and it's very that. As Gavin mentioned earlier, she is the ex of the French guy. She's like, move over, bud. I'm here to ruin his life. And he's like, no, I'm here to ruin her life. And then they decide, wait a minute, let's do it together. What is all this stuff? Bugging equipment? Cactus. Bugging? What, like listening bugging? Bugging who? Take a wild guess. Why? Why would anyone want to do that? Because I want to hear what goes on in there. Don't you want to hear what goes on in there? Why do not? Why not? Because that would be an invasion of her privacy. Excuse me, Mr. Video. That's not a video. It's a camera obscura. It's pure light. I'm not spying. I just want to be with her. Well, that's completely different. And then what ensues is like kind of a Mean Girls, like let's ruin Regina George type thing where they try and like make him make the um, French guy look guilty of cheating. None of it works. Um, Obviously... Meg Ryan and Matthew Broderick are supposed to fall in love in the end. It's so convoluted. I think Meg Ryan is actively bad, does not know how to be this, like, edgy, hard girl with her bangs and makeup. She's very, like, you don't know me, okay? Uh, My emotions are not real. And and Matthew Broderick's like, no, I love you, and, and you love me. It's... But don't you understand, Louis? She was a boy. He was a girl. Can Could you I make, make it any it more obvious? Any more obvious. Um, I can't. And Matthew Broderick is also like sporting his like father clock shadow the entire movie. And yeah. it's like everyone was trying to be edgy. It's yeah. 1998. Like everyone's trying to be cool. I, I would say it's completely miscast if I understood the reason it was even made in the first place or well, written. 
I don't you know, know. I don't know who could have done this movie because there's extended sequences where they are both like being cute and throwing popcorn at each other while the movie of their collective ex lovers is playing on the background of this squatter apartment that they're in. Um, it's it's vile. It's yeah. bad. It's you know the, I I can't remember a single time where I laughed. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, 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 and, and, and in the middle of it is Meg Ryan, who is like deeply, deeply doesn't know what she's doing. Um, it's, I, I, I couldn't believe watching that. I couldn't believe it. I, it's like, it's almost as if like being gas, like addicted to love, like we're gaslit into believing like this is what rom-com, like such a rom-com off the rails. Like, I don't know what we're supposed to learn here. There's also like, kind of like. Um, gaggy like Looney Tunes fade to blacks. Um, yeah, yeah, it's edited within an inch of its life in a in a bad way. Yeah, it's it's horrendous. I couldn't believe it. Um, great choice, uh, especially because if you had picked the women, I was going to pick Addicted to Love, and since you have picked Addicted to Love, I can talk about the women. All right. Um, <laughs> the the women, uh, we talked a lot about it earlier, but essentially it's it's about Meg Ryan, who is um, uh, she she's sort of a jack of all trades, but she's kind of, she's a chef essentially. Is um, she a chef? That's the, I don't really understand. I can't tell what her job is. Like she she's like a party thrower, an event planner who also makes all of her own food and gardens herself. And yeah. Um, through uh, a bunch of her gossipy friends, she finds out her husband is having an affair with Ava Mendez, and um, her life falls apart because of that. She decides to get a divorce. Um, these are all uh, broad strokes, and the only reason it's broad strokes is because that's all that's left in this movie. Mm-hmm. See, the thing about the original The Women, the original The Women, directed by George Cooker, you're going to keep hearing us say his name, came out in 1939. Uh the role of women in society in 1939 was very different and I'm not defending it in any way, but it's based off a play. And essentially it's a play about status, about how like women exist only to fall in love and marry a man who can take care of them. And if that man strays, it's something you did wrong. Right. And you're you, you like, you need to figure out like what's going on. It's sort of like, we have to pause all women until we can figure out what's going on. And famously, um, no men in the movie. At right. All. Not none. It's very, um, uh, it's very dialogue heavy. It's yes. quick. It's quick witted. It's uh, like, I don't want to say it's catty, but it's catty in a very fun way. And it's, it's bitchy and like, it's delightful and sumptuous and it's all black and white, except for the famous uh, fashion show, fashion show scene, which is in color. And it, it, has maybe one of the worst endings of it. Like if it were made any later, the ending would have been changed. So she doesn't go back to her husband, but she does. Um, we talked about the original just a little bit in our Joan Crawford episode. Cause she plays the Ava Mendez role in the original. And she's so good. She's so fucking good. This version, like in updating the women, it's un it's unupdatable. It's just unupdatable. And so what it does is it, it removes that element because 
women don't strive for that anymore. Women are allowed to be people. They're allowed to have jobs. They like we recognize them as fully formed human beings, as we should have in the 30s. But like, it well, I comes think, out. I think the, this movie doesn't know the role right. of women. Like, I, I, if it would so have they like, come, they come off shallow and yeah. harsh, and and like they have no aspirations. Like they're all automatons who only care about shopping at Saks. Right, and but I think like. If it would have leaned into that and been like, these five women only care about shopping and being shallow, upper class white bitches, we can say something about those type of women. But right. they they want to make a movie about all women. And so right. they need Annette Bening to be like, sweetie, no one ever has said that they don't like sex. But at the same time, she needs to be the high-powered executive of right. the quote-unquote smart Vogue. She, and she has to have that moment where she explains to Meg Ryan's daughter about, like, sex is, you know, it's not great at first, but, you know, it, but it, it's it's something that all women do. I just yeah. don't, there's so much, and Meg Ryan, as I said, I don't understand her character. Like, I don't understand what her character wants. She doesn't want this man. She seems to have a perfect life without this man. And the idea, like this movie also follows the Cooker plan of there are no men in the film until uh, the baby is born at the end of the movie. And it's a boy, but the, I think the thing that about this movie without any men, like already feels like this kind of, utopia and and so like this drama she's having with steven who wants to divorce her for ava mendez it doesn't it doesn't matter and it doesn't it truly doesn't seem to change her life at all and what's even wilder is you know in the original film the divorce used to be very difficult you would have to literally move to reno for like six months to obtain a a quote-unquote quickie divorce now you can do it in in a day and so they have to remove that plot line. And because they have to remove that plot line, Ava Mendez's character disappears from yep. the film. Yep. It's it, the movie actively fights its own existence. Like the she talks to her mom, Candace Bergen, about like the mom is like old school. So she's like, oh, like, you know, this will be so devastating for your reputation. And Meg Ryan's like, oh, what is this? A 1930s movie? I can't fake it, mom. I can't be anywhere near him right now. Then this is what I think we should do. It's spring break. We'll go away for a couple of weeks. There's nothing like a heavy dose of a man's mistress to make him miss his wife. What do you think this is? Some kind of 1930s movie? That's ridiculous. Can I remind you of something? You have a daughter. Just like I did, this is not just about you. Like, ostensibly trying to make a gag about like, haha, we're making a remake, but like, yeah, exactly. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we here? doing here? Guys, like, the, you are a successful person. Like, it would make sense if, you know, this was a woman who was like, if I get divorced, I get nothing and my yes. life will radically change. But this movie wants to have it all. This movie wants to be like, women are powerful and don't need men, but also are catty bitches who only talk about men and whose lives will, like, be ruined because of men. It's, it's, even Annette Benning's character, who like wants to be smart and this and that, is a bitch to the younger women at her office. You know, yeah. and doesn't take them seriously. I mean, a Candace Bergen's character, Candace Bergen's character, who spends 
almost the whole movie worried about her appearance, but also being like, "Ugh, I heard this person got plastic surgery. And then there's a whole extended bit about her actually having plastic surgery. It's, it's, it's the opposite of sharp writing. It, this is yeah. the anti Nora Ephron movie. <laughs> it, this movie wants and, what Nora Ephron has. And just on a technical front, and I don't want to spend too much longer shitting on this film. This was not the right film to be much like Sirius Moonlight was not the right film for Cheryl Hines to to launch her directing career. This was not the right film for Diet English to launch her directing career. It more often than not looks like a sitcom. Characters are often overlit in the center of the frame. Like it's so flat. The camera never moves. It's just it's so it's an unpleasant watch because you're spending time with these terrible people and you have nothing to look at. Yeah, it's it's rough stuff. Um, are there other things that at the bottom of the barrel, Kevin? <laughs> oh, of course. I mean, uh, against the ropes would be a very easy one. My mom's new boyfriend, the, the deal, deal uh, serious moonlight um iq i would even give it iq like i couldn't i watched that movie just like grimacing the whole time like when will it end yeah so yeah there's a there's a lot there um unfortunately mostly like towards the like latter end of her career um but it's it's rough stuff okay let's get the fuck out of here um let's get into our five star views So this is tough because it is tough. She turns in some really wonderful performances. She has some solid bangers that are beloved. Um, and some of them are truly cultural resets. Absolutely. Blueprints. Um, I, and, and I, I, I'm coming into this very fresh. I, I don't have a lot of um, emotional baggage to a lot of these movies. Um, I think I was most affected by her performance and the story in 1994's When a Man Loves a Woman. I thought that I thought this was coming. I just she, you know, I I mentioned before how she's not really an anchored actor. Um somehow in this movie she's able to do both things. She is yeah. steady and anchored but because this movie asks of her to, you know, those scary things that um, when when a loved one who is an alcoholic is being wild or crazy or, or is act is behaving, you know, in a reckless way when they're drunk, um, it, it asks that of her. And in, in the beginning, when she's like throwing the eggs at the car and getting on top of it, um, I think she's somehow was able to harness her kind of like flowy hippie vibe free and fanciful vibe into this very interesting space of like that but scary because it's scary like and you can this is a slow burn movie where it's like oh this is fun like this silly girl you know like they like drinks and going out and and she and she I think the movie does a really good job of ma- yeah. like she seems really fun towards the beginning. Yeah. And when the turn happens, you're like, oh, no, this is a right. problem. Yeah. And it, but it's also like for a lot of people, it is just so normal, you know, and like it is yeah. not the like over the top big things. It's like little things that happen, you know, and, and that are kind of um, amount to these bigger 
events and things that happen. And I think she's able to harness still being, you know, cute and lovable and, and has all this chemistry with Andy Garcia. Um, but it just harnessing the darkness. Um, it, 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 I think it was pretty astounding. And, and we, there's a, certainly a lot of movies about, you know, addiction and alcoholism where it's like go for broke Oscar, big yeah. che- chewing the scenery type things. I think she really understood the assignment that this wasn't about that. This is about like the everyday normalcy of people who are good and decent, who deserve a second chance and who deserve empathy and, and, very like unjudged like a big part of this movie is how andy garcia is very judgmental to all the other people in the the program with her right he's i mean he's judgmental of her and i think part of it is you know she is for better or worse no longer the woman he fell in love with yeah because she was a woman under the influence and, and he sort of loved that about her and i think the movie does a really good job of tracing her character moving from somebody who is more spontaneous but also has this you know is suffering to somebody who is now more ordered and more like well, it's scheduled can, and, and like she has a routine and she, she can take you know, care of herself right you know and and i there's that scene where he um he finally talks at the al-anon meeting he goes to it is just devastating. It is just so heartbreaking. He's so good. Like I said, the kids are so good. Um, the scene you mentioned about her rock bottom is when she downs a pill, of, um, a bottle of aspirin and with vodka, crashes through the shower door and right. her child, played by Tina Majorino, sees her, was just slapped by her. Um, both her and Mae Whitman are hilarious in this movie. Yeah. They are so good. Um uh, the, the writing is sharp. The writing is sharp, but it's also tender and loving. Um, you know, it's schmaltzy for sure, but I don't think it's manipulative. And I don't think this movie goes for any cheap shots or easy ways out. Like, I love that they have a a, a house or like a um, a babysitter, I guess. Um, yes. She helps yeah. out. Um, she's like an, a young Asian woman. And she gets to fucking say, I'm out of here. Like, and she yeah. gets her, she has her own, like, shit. I love that, you know, this movie's also concerned with Andy Garcia's job. Like, he can't do all this. Like, he does have to make a tough decision. You know how this got started? How I became an alcoholic? No. They don't know that. Nobody seems to know that. My dad's drinking didn't help. The way my mother made me feel like nothing, or maybe it's genetic, or I... Nobody knows. Did you think this was about you? Why would you say that? Well, I don't know. You just seem a little defensive. Why would I be defensive? Is somebody attacking me? No. Nobody's attacking you. Michael, I am just hanging on here. This is not some fucking uh, fantastical world. Like, there's a lot of real life things. And and obviously, like, I was thinking, man, you know, this is... She only had to go to rehab once. 
she is a white woman of means right. who was able to afford all this stuff. But like the movie just feels very grounded in reality. Um, and is, and I am I am glad that like they slightly touch on that perspective of the the woman taking care of her yeah. at rehab is like I I like failed out of rehab twice before and, and says because she's like tell me it's to be okay and she's like it's not she's like my marriage yeah. failed and then and and there's no resolution to that and I love that because it's like the the inherent takeaway is like yeah your marriage might fail but you'll be fine. You know, and you might come back and that's okay. Like you just kind of keep doing the work. Like there is no answer. There is no like magic thing. It's, you know, these two people are trying to give each other as much grace as possible. Um, But they, it's just like a, such a hard, horrible thing, you know? Yeah. Um, And and I think this movie to me feels the most romantic. (laughs) It feels like, because their connection is like really palpable, but also just like they are going through it. It's not like some um kind of antics thing that's going that their and, love is persevering through like real hardship and it's really tough when you come from a family that has addiction in it it's not easy and i like that the you know i feel bad because i feel like in saying that i'm like taking something away from meg ryan's character and i'm i'm not but i like that the film touches on those other elements too that it's oh, yeah. that it's not just you know, because like you said, if it was like an Oscar Beatty thing, it would just be her. It would just it would be the twenty eight days later. Yeah. With um, or just twenty eight days. Sorry, twenty eight <laughs> days later is the zombie Different movie. Different movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, twenty eight days. The the like. Lacunas. No, that's um. Oh. Uh, Sandy. Yeah. Sandra yeah, Bullock yeah. And, yeah. and Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. And like, that's right. You know, you'd be that version, but it's it's not. This movie is thorny and has issues and and like. But it doesn't like, you know, it tells you like she doesn't have a great relationship with her mom, but we don't linger on it too much. Like it's not like these are things that she's as a character has tried to move past. But like there's a lot of information that you get from this movie just by sitting with it and being with it. And it's it's really um, a smart movie, a sensitive movie. I fucking cried and cried. Yeah, I'm shocked I didn't. I remember crying when I was a kid. I remember. Yeah, that ends great. I mean, it's a very Hollywoody ending, but it's great. No, yeah, it's so great. I love the parallel to the beginning. It's just yeah. So, oh, the scenes where Andy Garcia has to say bye to the girls. Oh, oh shut up! My God, <laughs> why would oh, you bring my that up? God. Um, what's your vibe? Sorry, I think that's me? I think that's a great choice. Uh, the I thought I thought you were heading there, and that's why I was like nervous that I was kind of saying some shit about it earlier. But I think it's an excellent. Cho- and, you know, that's yeah. the thing about a five star review. Five star review can be anything if it like yeah. works. Talk, you know, talk your shit, okay? Like, yeah, um, it's okay. Your your heart is hardened now, Gavin, and that's something we have to accept. <laughs> well, I'm gonna. I guess I'm queen of the basic bitches because. I really want to give it to when Harry met Sally. I mean, I just think it's so good. And I, like I said, I didn't watch it for fucking years, years. I went without watching this movie and it, it is, it's everything that everybody says it is, you know, I I mean, I guess we didn't really describe the plot earlier, but I I feel like it's, you know, people know what it is. Uh, This young girl in college, um, decides to drive this man named Harry. He's dating her friend to New York City because they're both going to start their lives in New York City. Um, they part after he like hits on her essentially, um, and years later they reconnect. Uh, they decide to become friends, 
he's divorced. She's just out of a fresh relationship. He's like emotional and depressed. Very funny, but like kind of wounded. And she's like very like, no, hey, my life, it, it is my life and things happen. But also at the same time, and I think this is what I love about the character you know, the Nora Ephron-ness of it all, is she's also really particular. Like, she is fucking annoying when it comes Mm -hmm. to ordering food at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nora Ephron once said that she was on an airplane and the uh, flight attendant came to ask her what she wanted for food and she was very particular and the waitress rolled her eyes, or waitress, the flight attendant rolled her eyes and said, have you ever seen When Harry Met Sally? (laughs) Yeah, bitch, I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it. Um, um, I have to mention so everything you said, yes. But when they're driving to New York, they have this conversation of whether a man and a woman can just be friends. Right. And that vibe continues throughout the 15 years that pass yes. through this. Also, shout out to them like really looking like time has passed. Yeah. They, whoever makeup and hair and costume like – they did a good job making him look younger and her look older. She's so mature, you know, and I mean that in, like, a positive way. I don't mean, like, she's, like, a matron. Well, well it just but, looks like, like time has passed for all yeah. of them, Um, you know, from the beginning of the movie to the end. Um, You know, famous. And, and literally, it's until they sleep together. And they sleep together brought on by the fact that, like, you know, he's always, like, very like essentially they run into his ex-wife with his with her new are they is she remarried or I think just they're engaged. fiance yeah. yeah um and later uh you know and he's like a big dick about it and she's like it's not that big of a deal and then later she finds out that her ex is now engaged and it's a huge blow to her ego because she's like well I guess he he did want to get married just not to me um and he comes over to comfort her and they fuck and it's under not the best circumstances. Right. It's very pity fuck vibes. Neither of them feels seem to really enjoy it. They, they, they instantly call their friends um, who they've gotten together, Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. So good. Both of them. That that great, like four box of them all on the phone together. What happened? What's the matter? Mary came over last night. I went night. over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. And one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. To make and a long story short, we, we did, did it. it. They did it. That's great, Sally. We've been praying for it. We should have done it in the first place. For months, we've been saying you should do it. You guys belong together. It's like killing two birds with one stone. It's like two wrongs make a right. How, How was, was it? it? The during part was good. I thought it was good. But then I felt suffocated. Then I guess it wasn't. Jesus, I'm sorry. The worst. I had to get out of there. He just disappeared. I feel so bad. I'm so embarrassed. I don't blame you. That's horrible. I think I'm coming down with something. I think I'm catching a cold. Look, look, it would have been great if it worked out, but it didn't. Mm. I should never go to bed with anyone when you found out your last boyfriend is getting married. Who's that talking? Who? Is that Jess on the phone? It's Jane Fonda on the VCR. It's Brian Gumbel. Yeah, and then it's like, can they be friends now that they fucked? And like, I, he's he gonna realize he's fucking in love with her because she realized that she's in love with him even though and yeah that wedding scene even is i mean you mentioned it earlier it's pretty good i mean the fight yeah and it's it's a real fight and i think that's the i think that is the thing that's missing from you know i you know it's kind of 
sleepless in Seattle. She's allowed to be like kind of a particular person, but like you've got mail. She's like an angel. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And like, and, and that's definitely one of those things that's like gets buffed out of romantic comedies as it goes along. And that's what I like about when Harry met Sally, she feels like a real person and their relationship feels real. And they're allowed to get angry at each other, to really fucking dig at each other. Uh, but also, like, it's because they love each other so much. Yeah, there's there's really some of that, like, venom that I was talking about earlier. And and hesitation. Like, they, they do not see each other for, like, five years or whatever it is and run into each other by happenstance. And when they do... Even though he's flirting with her, he's engaged and yeah. she's happily, you know, in a relationship. And and you really feel that like um, these people don't have to be friends, don't have to talk to each other, don't, you know, they don't have to end up together. Like it's not a given. Um, and and we also haven't mentioned there's like, these really great like interstitial splice yes. couples talking to each other. Which is it's so fun because what it, essentially Rob Reiner did is he interviewed old couples uh, had those interviews transcribed and then hired actors to play those. So I would your face. No, I, so I Samantha Stallard was like, these are actual couples. And I was like, this seems too nope, 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 actorly. Nope. Like there's and, no and, way. And, and but that's the brilliance of it. Is a lot of people go into that thinking that there is this documentary element and it's not real. But it's but it is real. Because yeah. it is, you know, these stories, these people. Yeah, it's uh, that movie really shook me. I will say, I uh, again, I just think the sometimes it just is like that. It yeah. just is, and relationships are fucking hard. And being vulnerable and honest, and like you know, I mean, th- there's so much great romance in this movie. Like on the New Year's thing, and running to go get her, and um, the fights seem really meaty. Um, and and like I mean, every everybody knows the fucking orgasm scene. She she I just read an interview with her. There's a great um interview from this past August that's her and Carol Burnett uh, uh, for Interview <laughs> Magazine, and she's like, yeah, fucking Jack texted me the other day to be like, I'm I'm shooting something because this is right before the strike. Um, I'm shooting something and I'm in a hotel across from Katz's Deli. Do you know they have a sign above yeah. the seat that you sat in? He's like, it's very embarrassing, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> like- yeah. And and she said that she was the one who said that she should have the fake, or- or fake orgasm. Yeah. Like, it was in the script. They're talking about it. But she was the one who was like, oh, well, Sally is a very, you know, uh, physical communicator. I think she would do it. Um, yeah. So it was her idea to do it. And, it, and it's iconic. And then they did it like sixty times or whatever. I, I that's an exaggeration, but they did it a lot. They had yeah. to do that scene quite a bit. I guess. Um, I think after she came up with it, I was reading that Rob Reiner like went and essentially did the scene for the people that were the like extras that were to be like, "This is what you're gonna have to react react to." to yeah, yeah. Um, which is very funny trying to imagine Rob Reiner doing that. <laughs> orgasm. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's a really lovely film, and just she's so good in it, and I com- I understand why it like started that Meg Ryan rom com domination. Well, it's also like New York's almost like a fantasy world because again, yeah. there's there's no traffic. I was really scared you were going to be like New York is like an extra character in it. I was going to be like, no, we're not no. doing another episode. We're done. 
it's a fantasy world because there's no traffic. There's no. There's it's a, it's very squeaky clean. Yeah. Um. Uh. But the reality of the people um is so good um that it kind of just like New York is just like a nice beautiful frame for yeah um the, these two um highly charged humans who are in love perhaps um yeah <laughs> it's so good um what else gavin do we can we recommend i mean i i would watch joe versus the volcano anytime this week i love it i love inner space i know i know it's deranged please just watch inner space okay um, okay. um uh, go on well i was to say you know i think her other um great uh rom-com is kate and leopold i think it's fun yeah i think her and hugh have really good chemistry um in the cut <laughs> yes in the cut always Hello? always and like even though she doesn't do the singing in Anastasia and you know what I'm still going to end this episode with a song for Anastasia she's great she's, she's great. great she's great I love Anastasia um, okay let's do our mixed reviews review my one star review was 1997's Addicted to Love and my one star review was 2008's The Women but also Addicted to Love is very bad <laughs> both very bad um, my five star review is 1994's When a Man Loves a Woman and my five-star review is 1989's When Harry Met Sally, dot, dot, dot. All right, Gavin, let's get into our fast-forward. Right now, you can go to your local cinema and watch Meg's second directorial um, outing. Effort. Yeah. What happens later? Uh, the two-hander with uh, David Duchovny. Um I have not seen this. I it, have. You have. What are yes. our thoughts? What are our feelings? I, um, it's not bad. I don't mean to make it sound bad, but I don't think it's good either. That's the unfortunate thing is. I'll, okay. I'll just rip the bandaid off. It's based off a play by Stephen Dietz. Um, it sort of came to her in the pandemic and she was trying to think of like what's something small I could do. I think the unfortunate um, thing is that she never really elevates it. There's occasional moments like bits and bobs, but she never really elevates it from play. Okay. And so it feels, you know, it, it never really captures that magic of like the before movies mm. that really feel like something outside that feels cinematic outside of just two characters talking. Yeah. It's a I movie. Mean, of, it's a movie of two ex lovers who years ago, David Duchovny and Meg Ryan were together um, and he just walked out one day and you find out like without giving too much away that essentially he walked out because she wanted to open their relationship up. Oh. And I think that's like an interesting, complicated thing. And I, th- I truly think the final third of the movie is great. Mm. It's just, you have to sit through the first two thirds and you get horrible scenes like David Duchovny listening to a very bad cover of a Matchbox 20 song being like, Remember when rock and roll was rock and roll and not algorithm? Wait, so is he saying Matchbox 20s? I guess. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know where Matchbox 20 falls into that. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, think it's I real don't. rock and roll or algorithm. That's and, um, Friends yeah, soundtrack it's, music. It feels very like old people shake fist at clouds until the third act, which is very surprising to me. And like, it's got a couple like 
magical realism. They're both so they're, they're trapped in a in the same airport. He's right. um going to uh I can't remember where he's going to, <laughs> but but she and she's going to visit. I you know what? Just know they're that the, they're, they're at the airport. Yeah, he's he's going to Boston. She's going to Austin. It rhymes. They they both have um uh the same she's willa he's bill they have the same last name and for some reason the the loudspeaker occasionally reacts to them Um, something wasn't right yeah so it's like very like are they really in an airport is this like some dream scenario is this like an afterlife but i think she shows real promise as a director i don't mean to like i think and she has said now, the next thing she she directs, she doesn't want to be in. Hmm. And I th- I th- I'd be very interested in that because I think it would um, alleviate her of the pressure. Because like this, this where this falls flat is that it feels like a play, yeah. Um, and 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 doesn't rise out of that. Um, but I I don't know. I think it's good enough to go see. You know, when it comes out on streaming, I would watch it. This definitely feels like. A good airplane movie. Yeah. Um, or yeah, just like put it on Prime and let it rip. It's very easy breezy. I wish I I don't have any ill will against David Duchovny. I wish they had a little more chemistry together. And part of that is is he's so flat. Like he mm. can he's like really deadpan about everything. Yeah. That it's I think it's you really have to calibrate the the like your performance and she's not Meg there. Ryan. Yeah. You know, like I, I read that she, in her everyday life, she has a hip problem now, and she walks with a limp. And oh, I, I didn't even know that. And that in the movie, there's a throwaway line that, like, she's like, my hip doesn't keep me from dancing. Like, she also walks with a limp in the movie. Um, but that it's... I did notice that, but I, I assumed it was a character thing. She's also, like, in combat boots the entire movie. And then I, one of the interviews I was reading, they were like, oh, and she's dressed in combat boots. And I was like, oh, that just must be what she wears now. But maybe that's what's comfortable to her, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what – I just read that, yeah, she has – she had a hip injury. And, you know, she kind of, like, walks with a little bit of a limp. Um, but, you know, I – like we mentioned, she is 61 years old. Um, I – and from what it sounds like, you know, she was trying to make this movie for almost five years now. It took a long while to get to um, super small budget. Had yeah, to call I think it. I think it was like six, two, two to six million somewhere. I think, in there. Yeah, I think it was three, and a lot of she had to call in a lot of favors. Um, oh yeah, three million. Yeah, yeah. Had to call in a lot of favors, um, but I, I kind of like that energy. I like that vibe. She, you know. She said she took all this time off because that's what she wanted. She wanted to, like, figure herself out outside of Hollywood. She wanted to raise her kids. She wanted to, you know, just be free. And, and you know, I love that now she can do all of this on her own terms. Um, she is no longer, you know, America's sweetheart. She doesn't have to, like, live up to any of that shit anymore. Yeah, and that's what makes me the most happy is that the she it sucks that she had to stay away for so long, but she stayed away long enough to like kill the reputation. Yeah. And it's funny. I I love in her interviews, she talks about how, you know, she's like, yeah, you know, I was, everyone talked about how charming 
I was and I had to be in these movies. And she's like, and sometimes I think people just have it. And she she's really um, gracious and says, you know, people like Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence, they just have it within them. And, you know, I think um, she just gives off such good vibes in her interviews. She really is one of those modern Hollywood people who has been around the block and seen it all. She talks about how she certainly was around nasty executives who had bad bad behavior. She said, I always figured out how to get out of the room, but you know, that certainly was there. Um, And, you know, she talks about, she, she had to move away from LA. I think for a long while she was in New York. Um, I think they just moved back to LA to be closer to, because Jack is filming a lot there. And so they wanted to be close to him. Um, And, and yeah, I, I feel like, even if you know what happens later doesn't blow up and become like a huge thing it makes me happy that she's doing what she wants to do under her own rules um and you know she's always going to fucking be meg ryan she's always going to be one of the like great american rom-com actresses and i think her finding comfort and being able to do that on her own terms is a really wonderful thing and i'm excited to like i want to see this movie and i want to see what happens later <laughs> yeah i was waiting for you to say it um no yeah i'm excited i want her to continue directing and i, I do think she has a good eye for it and i she, i like watching her talk about it and listening to her you know this movie's dedicated to Nora ephron and she has uh. you know, obvious obviously like really great things to say about Nora ephron it's really a thank you Honestly, you know, like I, I was paying attention when we were working together and I, I have so many, I, I'm just blessed to be, have been in so many of her movies and be trusted by her. And just, she loved that, this genre. I love this genre. It's a, it's just a thank you. She seems happy. And like, that's, I want more for her because once again, it's the thing where like, isn't that the goal? Like, is, yeah. aren't we supposed to like do what we love? And not having to be America's sweetheart is what she loves now. She wants to make the movies that star America's sweetheart if she can, you know? Yeah. And I, and I think she's like, maybe. And especially now that like in the cut has gotten like this real appraisal um, and she can look back and be like, Oh yeah, those like weird things I was doing are kind of actually cool. And I, I want to do more of that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens next for her. Um, I certainly hope she can get another movie faster than she got this one and, and, you know, continue on this journey. Cause I think she fucking rocks and I think she is an icon. She is the moment. Um, <laughs> and she is the mother I never had. Um, <laughs> the sister I never wanted. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is Meg Ryan. That is absolutely Meg Ryan. Uh, if you want to contact us, to write us about Meg Ryan? I don't know. I have no segue out of this episode. If, if you want to have a meet cute with yeah. me and Gavin, <laughs> you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can always write us a little email by dropping us a line at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog, almost 150 episodes, you can find us on any major podcast app or on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Audible, Amazon. And if you listen to us on any major podcast app, stop by, leave us a five-star rating, write us a little review. It increases our visibility. And, you know, we've been doing this for a while, so it'd be nice to spread the love around. 
Be like the Black Eyed Peas and spread the love. Wait, no, that song is called Where is the Love? Where is the Love, yeah. Mm. I guess I don't know my Black Eyed Peas that well. Um, no. But, <laughs> but if you want to hear Louis' renditions of Black Eyed Peas songs, join our Patreon. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where, where I, they all live. I upload all my karaoke um, rehearsals on our Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, join us on Patreon. We have a good time. Um, and also, you know, the holidays are here, right around the corner. Um, so everyone stay safe um, and have a very lovely holiday season. We will see you in December um, for more holiday antics. Um, and, and congrats, actors and writers. Yes. Yeah. End of the strike. Congrats. End of the strike. Animation Guild. You're up next, girlies. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Bye. Somewhere down this road, I know someone's waiting years just can't be wrong.